Hello, and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that is part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Alex. Alex, something's weird. Something weird is happening. What? Oh, I think we're being teleported back in time. Ah, what's going on here? See, let me look at a newspaper. Oh my God, Alex, we are in the 1940s. Okay. Why would we be teleported back in time and we start talking like them? I don't know. I guess we were given some sort of. Uh, time-appropriate bodies, and I guess my time-appropriate body had some sort of a uh, transatlantic accent. Alright, 1940s? Yeah. Um, well, Civil Rights Movement hadn't taken place yet, so I'm not going to participate in an accent, or anything else that a half-black person would be going through, because they weren't treated super well, if you would believe that. Well, that's okay, see, because I'm looking at this door here, and I see permanent good private investigation, so that leads me to believe that in this time, you and I wear private eyes. Alright, I'm not gonna ignore the racist prejudice that we're probably gonna have to go through as a black and white partner group. Also, uh, interracial marriage didn't become legal for like another 15 years. So... And gay marriage for another 60 years. So, uh, our relationship is going to be very incredibly difficult to define. I was talking about my wife and I? Not me and you. Oh, I was talking about us, you see? Jumping to conclusions over here. Do you have something to tell me? Uh, well, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's get inside here and see if we have any cases on our desk. Yeah. First ah, case. Yes. Uh, does Craig love me? Ah, so. uh, no. Mm, let's, uh, we'll put that one to the side. See, uh, we have another one here that says Margaret in the pink dress. Let's take a look at the case, case file here. See? Craig, uh, is that a Margaret picture of you? Her pink. In a pink dress? Uh, no, no, it's just someone who looks a lot like me. So, uh, Margaret here said that she had her dress robbed by someone, and we need to figure out who stole her dress and get it back. It was an heirloom from her grandmother, she says. It's very important. Let's get on the case. Okay, what does that look like? Do we just go to, like, scene of the crime kind of thing? Uh, yes, we should go interview Margaret herself. She lives downtown. Margaret, what can you tell us about the case? Well, you see, um, I was just here in my home when, um... Uh, somebody broke in through the front door. They only took the pink dress, which means they probably were after that the whole time. Were you wearing the dress at the time? No, it was hanging up in my closet, see? And, uh, yes, I see. Um, I I can see because you said see, and that's the only reason I can see, see? Yeah, okay, listen here, Margaret. Let me give it to you straight. We don't have DNA. It doesn't sound like you had a good look at him. So we're not even going to be able to do a sketch. The fact that this case has been closed and you're opening it up with us which means most of the leads have probably gone cold the only lead we might be able to go on is that you think he's going for this dress in particular which was an heirloom so it sounds like a lot of people knew you had it so that's not going to go anywhere best thing i can do is take you out to lunch and maybe we can talk it over and that's another case solved by the permanent good private investigation agency well I think we're being teleported back. <laughs> oh, wow. That was that was wild. That was our improv segment that we moved up front. No, I think that I think that's good enough to be our intro, though. Um, Alex, uh, what do you think of the 1940s? Um, extremely racist. Extremely yeah, racist. We, Distractingly yeah, racist. Yeah, 
Yeah, people called you slurs like 14 times from the walk to our investigation agency to Margaret's apartment. And that was like three blocks away. Also, I had to answer all of Margaret's questions and ask her all those questions from outside her house. I was just yelling up (laughs) onto the porch. And every time you asked a question, Margaret would throw stones at you from the window, which like was weird. But yeah, overall, not a great neighborhood. Probably should pick a better era to go back to. Yeah, well, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But, you know, in this wacky, crazy world of ours, who knows? Who knows? Are you ready to talk about the movie? Um, I don't know if Craig, you know, said the whole, you know, movie, improv, comedy, that I whole did. thing. Um, and if you did, I wasn't listening. I'm going to give it to you straight, audience. The intro segment, not one of the most important parts of the podcast. Um, it's supposed to give you a taste of what the rest of the podcast looks like. If you loved that segment, stick around because we're going to have a lot more of that. If you hated that segment, I promise you the rest of the show is not going to be like that. Okay. (laughs) That's not normal. Usually we have one improv segment and the intro segment is a little banter. You know, sometimes it's public events, um, pop culture, all that stuff. Uh, not this time. So, audience, stick with us. We have a movie segment coming up, an improv segment coming up, a middle segment coming up, and another segment that, obviously, I can't give away because you would never stick around. So, into the movie, which was what, Craig? Uh, This week, we watched Fargo, starring William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare. All right, so if you want to hear us talk about this movie in a non-spoiler section, you know, we're going to do that for about five, ten minutes, then we'll go deep into spoiler territory um if you do not want to listen to this movie segment at all here's a time code to skip ahead to the improv segment and uh, now time code 3415 so fargo like i said william h macy steve buscemi peter stormare directed by the cohen brothers did big lebowski ballad of buster scruggs all that fun stuff the overall plot of this movie, if you're unfamiliar with it, William H. Macy's character, Jerry, is basically he basically needs some cash. So he sets up a deal with Steve Buscemi's character and Peter Stormare's character where they're like, hey, if you kidnap my wife, her dad is loaded and will give you the ransom money and we'll just split the ransom money. And basically, the movie is about that plan going down. Yeah, I mean. Also, so I went into this movie having no idea what it was about. No clue. I knew that it was like famous. I think it's on a lot of people's like top 100, top 1000, whatever movies to watch before you die. It's supposed to be crazy good. It's also a Coen Brothers and a lot of people love the Coen Brothers for some reason. You say for some reason, like you weren't a fan of this. It's, it's not like the Godfather. Okay. It's not like Goodfellas. It's not going to change your life. On Amazon, the first descriptor that comes up for this movie is comedy. And I thought I started <laughs> the wrong movie. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know anything about this movie, but I'm pretty sure it's not a comedy. Yeah, it's definitely not a comedy. It is. It's a it's a crime drama. Yeah. I mean, IMDb has it as crime drama thriller, which is a lot more indicative of what you're going to see when you watch this movie. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, 
overall, the way I thought about it throughout the course of this movie is it has a similar tone and stylization to like a Reservoir Dogs, but with the anxiety of in Uncut Gems. Oh, you felt anxiety of this? Well, specifically with William H. Macy's character. So eventually, because he had the same thing where like he's trying to get money. So he's like, he put out a loan on some cars, but he gave them like unreadable serial numbers. So when he gets confronted about that, he starts like spinning a deeper lie to kind of get himself out of that. And I think that's a lot of where I got that uncut gems like anxiety is like, oh, he got himself into this mess and he's spinning it deeper and deeper. Yeah, I think the issue was is Uncut Gems does anxiety better than any other movie ever. Yes, Um, I agree. And also that character handles it crazy well. He does not handle it well at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, But I also didn't I didn't also I didn't get secondhand anxiety from watching this. I'm just like, oh, this character is screwed. No, Um, yeah, I didn't get like secondhand anxiety but like it was much more of like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I just didn't. I was kind of out of this movie for a lot of it. Like the, it wasn't clear, like what was going on all the time because you knew bad things were happening. But like sometimes it's that's most Coen Brothers films. Is a lot of them you're like halfway through the movie and like, what am I watching? <laughs> You're like, I never really got that impression. I never really got that impression. I was, I was along for the ride the whole time. I, I, this movie never really lost me. Oh, it lost me time and time again. Cause there's a bunch of scenes that did not matter. Like, um, the first time when, uh, Steve Buscemi and the other guy are in the car together and he goes, you don't talk a lot, do you? And that's five minutes of unnecessary conversation or lack thereof. I don't know. I think that scene establishes their dynamic as characters because you have these two characters where like you get introduced to these characters and you're like, oh, these guys are like partners. You know, they've been doing this for a while. They're in it together. And then we get this scene where they're where they don't talk to each other. And you're like, oh, you guys aren't partners. You guys are just in on this together, which is drastically different. I think it shows that these guys, it it shows the tension between these two characters. Like they're in it together, but they're not in it for each other. Right. I mean, and then you were also, it's just some of the parts that didn't, they weren't as important. I think as a movie could have made them like his relationship with his son, irrelevant. The fact that he had a son at all, irrelevant. Yeah, I I was thinking about that, too, especially like in the third act, his son like talks a little bit more like he's in a few more scenes. But by that point, I'm like, so you're just doing this to like add more things to it. Right. Um, Other pointless scenes. Pretty much other pointless scenes for like spoiler section. Sure, we can do that. There's lots of them, ladies and gentlemen. There's lots of them. Um, other things. The accents in this movie. The Midwest. Were on point. Minnesota. North Dakotas. It is so good, dude. It is on so point. good. Loved it. 
and like not just the accents but the mannerisms you know the you get introduced to a sheriff character a third of the way through the movie and every single one of her sentences has either g's you know or like okay uh, okay yeah. yeah okay yeah and it for some reason i just it wasn't annoying for me i'm at first i'm like oh these northern accents can get kind of annoying but like hers specifically i'm like she's doing a really good job with it and i'm here for it i think it also doesn't bother us it's not because the thing is we don't grow up speaking that way but there are parts of michigan where they do and then we're right next to other states that also do that so like it didn't sound like made up yeah we grew up with something very close to that you know we we grew up with a lot of you knows and g's yeah, we, um, I think we grew up with a lot extent. of like the words, but not the accent. Because I say G's all the time. I still say, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. But I just don't, I don't have the accent. So I, I use the words, but I don't sound like that. Um, so it didn't, it didn't sound like a made up um, like accent. When I hear Valley Girl, it, it's like, it disconnects me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. real? Same thing People with like super crazy southern accents. I'm like, is that real? For real? Oh, that one. That one I've come way more accustomed to. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I'm trying to think of like Logan Lucky or um, Daniel, Craig Daniel Craig in Knives yep. Out. Yep. <laughs> it's like visceral, dude. It takes me out of it. So this, this wasn't nearly as bad. I actually liked it a lot. I hated it. Hated, hated, hated Jerry's father-in-law, Wade. Yeah. Wade Gustafson. Not only did I not like the character, the acting was bad. It was just bad. I don't think the acting was bad. I just think that he wasn't written. He was written purely to stonewall Jerry at every opportunity. There was no And eventually... Yeah, and, and there's really not much to that. And we'll talk about that more in the spoiler section. But, like, there are points where after, you know, the plot goes down. The wife gets kidnapped in the first ten minutes of the movie. So, like, the rest of the movie is how, like, the aftermath of it all. Yeah. Um, And Wade is just, like, even after she gets kidnapped, he's still stonewalling Jerry. Like, bro you it's just one of those things where it's like you are not thinking clearly like for someone who like is a ceo and like uh textbook you need to think rationally this is about business not emotions like he deals with it 100 percent with emotions i'm like bro you are your own detriment yeah it i wasn't a fan hated that character so much um what was i i'm taking notes on this and one of them doesn't make any sense very one say? looks very young. Everyone. Everyone looks very young. Oh, now I know what I mean by that. I'm making a lot of noise in the background. Good luck adding this. Yeah, out. I can tell. Um, Steve Buscemi looks so young, dude. Does um, he? William H. Macy. You might know him because the dad in Shameless and a bunch of other stuff, but that's what you might know him by. He looks crazy young in this as well he does look young i agree yeah um peter stormare who plays a russian and 
almost every movie he's in and he's almost always the bad guy. He looks young in this. It's it was wild seeing a movie that came out before like right before I was born. I'm like, "Oh, I've seen these people 20 years later." Like I saw I know Steve Buscemi when I think of Steve Buscemi, I think of Spy Kids, which was only like 8 years after this. Yes. But it was just it was just weird seeing him as like a bad guy. All right. Um Maybe that's not weird for me, because when I think of Steve Buscemi, I think of the lizard from Monsters, Inc. So, like, him being I a bad guy I just realized that was Steve Buscemi. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's one of those things you're like, oh, that voice is really familiar, but you're so young, you don't know. Like, uh, same thing with realizing Donkey was Eddie Murphy. Same thing with realizing Mushu was Eddie Murphy. Is you realize, like... That voice is so familiar, but I don't know who any of these actors are, so it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, um, so I'm okay with seeing Steve Buscemi as a bad guy because I think my first role that I knew him as was the lizard from Monsters, Inc. You're like, oh, this guy is a jerk. Yeah, but he was actually a legitimately scary guy. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. is scary, dude, and I love it. Anyways, you want to hop into spoilers? Let's hop into spoilers. If you want to skip the spoilers, here's your time code now. Time code 3415. One last note about Steve Buscemi. Uh, again, not weird seeing him as a crazy person because he's crazy in Con Air. Just like buck wild in Con Air. I don't think I ever saw it. Oh, do we need to do like a Nick Cage triple feature. With, like, face-off, Con Air, and, like, The Rock. And, I mean, Nick Cage. I, dude, I've seen both Ghost Riders. I I, don't, I couldn't tell you why, but I'm just like, oh, this movie I don't care what we watch as long as we watch Face Off. That's okay. Because that movie rules. Anyway, spoilers for Fargo. Um, spoilers for Fargo. People die in this movie. <laughs> Would, a lot of people died? Well. Yeah. And all the deaths look fake. A lot of people died and all the deaths look fake, which was really annoying. Maybe they don't look as good as like modern day movie deaths, but the first grotesque death that we see in this movie is when they do the traffic stop. Peter Stormare grabs the cop by the like the by his arm, pulls him into the cab, and just like shoots him in the head, and yeah. it, and like blood starts like f- almost like a water fountain out of his head. I'm like, I don't care if this death looks bad. I'm remembering this for the rest of my life. Yeah, but at the same time, the shootout in the parking lot of the parking garage, I'm like, that's so that gun is so obviously filled with blanks. Yeah. And, and, and there's muzzle flash on this? half the shots, and he's, you can tell he's faking the recoil. It was annoyingly bad. Yeah, and we talk and we talked about this with Snatch, too, where, you know, recoil is sometimes not as important to some actors. When it comes to firing a gun. Yeah. But that's just a thing about acting where I'm like, obviously, I never think a gun on set is real. So if an actor has to, like, not as correctly do recoil because they're acting, whatever. I I do not care. Like, I I'll care notice just it. because it takes be me out like, so quickly. For I'll me, it'd be like getting it. shot and there's no blood. I'm like, this is an easy fix. Shoot the gun for real, realize what it's supposed to look like, then do it with blanks. I, I I notice it, 
I see it, I notice it, and then I'm like, all right, well, he's acting, let's carry on. Um, but overall, yeah. I did, I I liked the parking lot shootout scene because it was the amalgamation of Wade's hubris. And when Steve Buscemi is like, you are not who I'm supposed to be dealing with. This is stupid. Put the money down. Let's just wrap this up. And Wade is like still trying to push him. I'm like, I, I'm not upset that you got shot. You deserved yeah. to get shot in this scene. This whole movie, you've been trying to circumvent Jerry because even though that he's been telling you explicitly that they only want to deal with Jerry, you ignore them. You go anyway and you get shot because of it serves you right. Yeah. My favorite thing in movies is when a guy I don't like dies. Love it. And yeah. not the bad guy. I don't. I want the bad guy to live, usually. It's when a guy, for instance, there's a movie that we just watched where I hated the main character. We watched a movie. Um, it is yet to come out. And the main character is the worst part of the movie. And I want the main character to die. So it's not always that the bad guy is like the end-all, be-all, do it, kill him at all costs. It's when a guy who we're supposed to be rooting for just sucks i'm like you know what guys please tell me this is one of those movies where the good guy gets got and this was one of i don't even care i don't even care if like the character i hate dies specifically i think that's an extreme reaction to have with every movie i watch but when they get their comeuppance that's when i'm like "Mm, yes just no i just like dying because it means like oh i never have to worry about this guy again because when they get their comeuppance i'm trying to think of movies where this happens Sometimes I might come back and get their revenge. And I'm like, no, I just don't want you anymore. Can we get rid of you permanently, please? Um, anyways, can we talk about how the wife was like pretty much not important for this movie? <laughs> I, I was thinking about that as we were talking about it. While we were talking about the kidnapping scene in the beginning, I'm like, wait a minute. You see this wife's face for the first 15 minutes of the movie and then never again. <laughs> Once she once she gets in the shower, you do not see her again physically. Right. She's either wrapped up or bagged or whatever or covered out like, on the ground, something like that, which is annoying because like you don't even know if she's dead. There's a couple times where yeah. she's like not moving, and you find out she's alive, and you're like, oh okay. The whatever. two scenes where I thought she was dead was when she fell down the stairs and when she was lying on the ground in front of the oven. I'm like, how are you not dead in either of these? Right. And then there's a scene where you see her laying down. I'm like, well, is she dead or is she not? Because I don't know what's happening anymore. And that was frustrating, dude. Because I thought the movie it was ma- supposed to be about it her. Makes it, turns out it, think, it makes me think this movie, like, <laughs> she wanted to be in this movie, but only had like 36 hours in her schedule. Yeah. And they just got body doubles for the rest of it. What did you think about... There's some boring scenes I know were halfway important to this movie about the meeting between William and Wade in the office where they're like, all right, what's your finder's fee? Yeah. I knew it was important to the movie, but I'm like, you guys know this isn't interesting, right? I think it was just like, I mean, like, I didn't love that scene, but it's I, I think it was just another scene to kind of that capitalizes on Jerry's incompetence. Like right. homeboy's trying to set up a fake kidnapping so he can pay the ransom and keep the ransom. And he can't even tell if he's supposed to have a finder's fee or not. And like, 
I don't know. Maybe this was just my thought process. Maybe I didn't fully understand how deep he was in. But like, if they're offering you a finder's fee, take it. Hey, bud, if you need money and they're offering you a finder's fee, take it. So and like he said that the ransom was $80,000. He needed half. So that was $40,000. If he was getting 10% of a finder's fee on a $750,000 lot, that's $75,000. He would have been pretty close to being out of what he needed. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Also, I think another confusing part of this movie is the the ransom ended up being a million dollars, right? Why? I thought it was half a million, but like... Or let's say it's half a million dollars. Where did that number come from and why? I I, I just think it it was because Wade was never told the ransom. And so he's like, all right. Wade is like, all right, they need a ransom. I'll get together half a million dollars. And Jerry's like, well, I'm not going to tell him no. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I'm like, we're just making up numbers now. What's going on? Yeah, so that was kind of like another reason I think, again, it was another like stack on Wade's hubris. Like, oh, you're not going to listen to what I say and you're going to offer to pay, essentially pay me more money. <laughs> then so be it. Right. Gonna I'm going to give an opinion that I mm-hmm. know you're going to disagree with. Sweet. But uh, Marge was the best part of this movie. Um, No, she's up there for sure. OK, Uh, every scene Marge was in, whether it was important to the story or not, her performance was just so good. I like I was down to clown with it when she interviewed the prostitutes. Loved that scene. Um, the The scene where she has that awkward confrontation with her old high school friend. Oh, it, 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 put that on the list of things that weren't necessary. Uh, was necessary. I did look up an article about it because I was trying to figure out who that actor was. And it, uh, I read that it was important because we find out later that he was lying to her, that, that the high school friend was lying to Marge. And that realization made her realize, oh, Jerry was also lying to me. So that's what made her go double back to the car lot yeah it's dumb that's that's dumb (laughs) that is um such a horrible way to progress a character dude as far as dude the producers should have shot that down they're like you want us to have a different filming location you want us to hire another actor who's gonna need lines so let's bring up sag because now we gotta get the guild involved because these are not extras anymore. Just so she can have a realization that someone's lying, have any of the characters already in the thing, any of the prostitutes that she's interviewing, literally anybody she's talking to, lie to her and then have that realization, or put in a freaking dream sequence. Just do something else. That that is such a <laughs> whack explanation. I think that is also gone down in like movie history as one of the most useless scenes. Like, I think everyone... That's wild, because I've seen the exact opposite, where people say that um, Mike, the character Mike, is one of the best one-scene performances in a movie. Listen, hear me out. Regardless of whether or not the performance was good, it was unnecessary. 
What is this? Like, what is this a talent a show? To watch bringing a bunch of people to showcase their talents that have nothing to do with each other. No, it's it's called entertainment. It's dude. I don't care if it's a good performance. How does it relate to the movie? Do you know what else would be a good performance if we had Forrest Whitaker come in? Have you watched any film uh, ever? Dude, if it doesn't, have you watched it's a, it's, any this is not film? A talent show. It's ninety nine percent performance. We don't have time. You introduce things that have nothing Dude, to do with the plot Nate of the movie. Sucked because half of that movie didn't contribute to itself. But you said that every performance was amazing in that movie, and now we're here talking like, oh, this one scene in a movie doesn't necessarily pertain, but the performing is good. There. Are- Wait, I gotta think about this because the performances were good, but oh, they also didn't introduce characters for a great performance. And that, like I'm saying, have you seen movie forty three? It's a sketch movie. It's a bunch of different scenes with a bunch of different actors. Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this movie should have been, I guess. If we're going to start bringing in actors to do what? one scene, what? let's make it a sketch movie, dude. Dude, you are you are out dude, of pocket I don't right care. now. This I is... don't care that this guy had a decent performance if it's not related to the movie. That is such nonsense. Dude, it's just... No, first of all, it's not. It's if if you have a character come in and steal a scene, that scene is cool, regardless of whether or not it's like particularly pertaining no. to the okay. movie. It Dude. didn't derail the movie. It's not like this guy came on and he was like, "All right, I'm gonna give a really good performance, walk away, and change the entire the, tone of the it's movie." It's just that it doesn't matter. Hey, editors, you're fired. You're fired unnecessary hey do your job dude do you know what this is this is freaking dora the explorer we already know where the story's going but for some reason she has to face two or three obstacles on the way and for some reason swiper just comes in out of nowhere as a as just a random character and tries to mess up the plot but for some reason dora is able to stop him so that didn't stop the progress of the show at all it was completely unnecessary because nothing bad happened that's what this movie was have you watched any crime show before it's ever? This, no, this sucks, dude. That now you know, no, it what, you know what you did. This sucks. This movie sucks. It no, sucks. No, it doesn't. You're just for being that reason. Dull. It sucks because this movie is Dora the Explorer, bro, and it has a bunch of failed. Listen, I'm here for when Swiper actually takes stuff. When he does, I'm like, yes, a new plot point. We like it when bad things happen to good characters because it moves the plot character dynamics this movie is when swiper comes in and can't steal something i'm like then what's the point why that did not contribute at all to where she was going this movie's whack i dude dude i i i think you're this movie no way no way quote me this movie's whack this movie is like I, I think this movie does a really good job of being like, hey, here's a very simple plan. And watching the plan go off the rails more and more as the movie yeah, goes I'm okay on. with the plan going and off I the think rails. I'm not okay the- with the plot going off the rails. Because don't introduce scenes that don't contribute. They it contributed! It didn't. It totally didn't. And uh, this is a hill I will die on. Scene was unnecessary. It was, do you know what they should have done? They should have cut that part out, saved it for 20 years, put it in a TikTok, because it would have the exact same freaking impact. Good performance. Dude, Let just, me see it on its own. Let me have that five-minute scene. Put it on YouTube. 
I like don't even know. I don't even know what to do with you right now. Wow. You know what? You know, what? I'll, I'm going to go back and just watch that scene over and over again on YouTube where it freaking deserves. But you got me messed up if you think I'm going to go on Amazon Prime and watch this movie again. It's not happening. All right. Well, I'm giving this movie a seven and three quarters. That's crazy. I'm giving this movie a six. Okay. Listen, I understand. Listen, if you don't like the movie, that's fine. Um, you talked me into I, not liking this movie. This movie was okay. I probably would have given it maybe just under a seven, but it's definitely a six now. For sure, definitely a six. Flat six, nothing extra. No sauces. Nothing on the side. All right. Um, I just want to say before we... You know, like I said, Marge was really good in every se- sequence. I liked all the action sequences. Like any time thing was things were like going wrong and the criminals kind of like had to like make stuff up. I really liked that. I, like <laughs> probably my favorite like sequence in the movie is when Steve Buscemi is trying to pull the cop um, off the road and into the bank and there's another car coming. And like everyone knows, like we know uh, the characters know that this car is gonna see us and we're gonna have a problem with that but like even even so when it happened uh, it still felt incredibly satisfying to watch peter stormare just like do a yui and go for it dude if that was gonna happen to me i would be gunning it i'd be going so fast it's ridiculous i'm like oh i'm just witnessing a murder i am flying well, that's what they did. They floored it, and that's what caused them to wipe out. Oh, but the difference between me and them? Good driver. Oh, you're built different. I see. Yeah, built okay. different. You know. Okay. Uh, I forgot about that. All right. Uh, that's just kind of all I wanted to say. Um, do you want to welcome back our non-movie? No. I'm welcoming back our non-movie listeners. Welcome Sweet. back, non-movie listeners. Dude, uh, first of all, let me interrupt you. had a very good discussion. Who listens to this podcast and skips half of it consistently? I don't... People consistently i don't know i but like if one person but like if they haven't seen the movie like maybe every now and then they would skip it and then you think they're going through the effort of going back and listening to this i don't know i feel like they aren't i feel like people are innately lazy and they're like oh i haven't seen this movie so i'm either going to listen to the whole thing anyway or i'm just not going to listen to the podcast because it's going to be half of it or maybe there's gonna be a select few that are like all right i'll skip ahead and i'm just not going to go back and listen to it well, I try not to dive into our audience's psyche too much because that's not my job. Anyway, we had a really good discussion about it. So, you know, do with that as you will. Uh, Alex, you have our improv segment. We're doing Sell Me This Pod. Oh, yes. It's been a minute. It's been a long minute. And for you audience who uh, aren't ride or dies, here's how this breaks down. I'm going to introduce a concept. Craig's going to introduce a concept. And... It is up to us to make that thing as good as possible because we're going to introduce a bad concept and we're going to make it awesome. Then we're going to introduce a good concept and the other person is going to make it bad, like real bad. And we only have a minute to sell this idea to you. And then at the end, we just give each other a random word and we can just uh, go wherever direction we would like. And that's pretty much how Sell Me This Pod works. And you'll see it in action very shortly. Craig, are you ready for a word? Yeah. Um, the impending recession that's going to hit our economy 
Okay, this one's really simple because people, I, I, I think COVID in general has been a real wake up call to a lot of people in terms of uh, how shaky our system is just, you know, in general, every single system, be it economic, political, infrastructure, all that nonsense, it's being held together by floss. All right. Just dangling from the ceiling with floss. And I think that uh, one more recession is going to be the thing that finally snaps that piece of floss and gets people's butt into gear and like hey this system has been broken for decades nothing has trickled down since the concept was introduced we need to get it all together and this is the thing that's going to show it to us so i think that not only should we be appreciative of the next recession we should be welcoming it and encouraging it oh boy interesting take uh can't wait for you to address a homelessness problem when people have to foreclose their dream houses but you know you sold it yeah give me a concept bro all right uh i'm gonna give you a really difficult one send it i'm not Um, scared of anything can you sell me on wrinkled clothing wearing wrinkled clothing All right, ladies and gentlemen, in the quest to relate with others, there's only one thing you can do. Wear wrinkled clothing. You might think of, well, are you sure? Like there's people out there who like don't have a father or, you know, they're starving and they're not where they're not. They don't know where the next dollar is going to come from. They don't know where their next food is going to be. Listen, do you want to struggle with them? Because I'm going to tell you one thing about being an influencer. I'm a professional. You won't be an influencer for long if you're dead. Starving, homelessness, drug abuse, all that stuff might be relatable with your audience. 20 but it's seconds. dangerous. You need to have wrinkled clothing. They're going to be like, oh, this guy also can't afford dry cleaning. This guy also doesn't own an iron. He doesn't have a maid service. He doesn't have a butler. He's one of us. Stop wearing your Gucci, your freaking coach. Time. Your- Tom Ford, wear wrinkled clothing. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's facts, bro. And I, now I'm thinking about it, stand by it. Makes sense. I'm on board with that. So check out our first video podcast next week when Alex somehow managed to wrinkle all of his clothing and also his skin to be more relatable to the youth. No, you don't want to have wrinkled clothing to be relatable to the youth. You'd wear wrink- you'd have wrinkled clothing to be relatable to the elderly. Whatever. Obviously, uh, you weren't listening one. to my pitch. So your good thing, which under no circumstances should you ever do, is advocate for victims of abuse. Why do you always <laughs> do this to me? You can't do it, man. No, 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 because no, here's the thing. Because the joke is not whatever I say. The joke is the fact that you are trying to make me uncomfortable and you're trying to make me go past my boundaries. And like at a certain point, it's just not fun for me anymore. (laughs) All right. So the reason why it's not good to stand up for for victims of (laughs) abuse is I'm about to abuse this person like physically really soon Mm -hmm. and if you try to stand up for him after what i do to him you need to understand that he deserved it 
All right. We have 36 hours of evidence of him just being unnecessarily rude, unnecessarily antagonistic, and just downright being a bad person. All right. You've heard the things that have been released. You don't know what I've left on the cutting room floor. All right. So if you see me in a jail cell because of what I have done to Alex's life and body, understand that I will be singing the cell block tango because this guy had it coming from the very beginning. All right. I would not feel one single ounce of guilt for what I have done to this man after all the nonsense he's put me through over the last seven years. God, do I need to release this energy somehow? Not bad. Not bad. You turn it around and you know what? I appreciate the creativity. All right. What you got for me? The good thing that you need to make bad Mm -hmm. is what what's bad about creative outlets, productive, creative outlets? Well, here's the thing about creative outlets is they distract you from what's really going on. Wake up, America. Wake up. We don't have time for your half baked ideas on what a good podcast would be. We don't have time for you to go around showing people your slam poetry, your interpretive dance, the skits, plays, movie scripts you have written. We don't have time. And let me tell you why. Because your talent is honestly non-existent. You suck and not enough people have told you. Okay? So, go back to school. Focus on your STEM. You know. All that stuff that's going to get you a job. 20 seconds. And start helping the rest of us. Because the one person that you might be able to prevent from, I don't know, killing themselves with your quote unquote art is nothing compared to the children dying in Africa who could care whether or not you write a great script. What a masterpiece that was, dude. I stand by that as well. Well, I'm glad you think that. All right. Are you ready for a random word? And I'll let you just take it in either direction you want. Yeah. Drywall. Dude. Okay. Here's the thing about drywall is drywall is the single best indicator on whether or not your partner has anger issues or not. All right. Is the drywall intact? Listen, you're probably pretty good. If the drywall has been punched through, um, something has been thrown through it. If the drywall has somehow gotten moldy, you know that this person is not there for you at all. They are hardly there for themselves. So I think that we need to understand that before you get into a relationship with someone, there are three things that you need to do. Uh, you need to understand how they treat their mother understand how they treat service staff and understand how they treat their drywall. Those three things in combination will tell you if 10 seconds, uh, someone is a healthy person to be around. And that's the end of my pitch. I mean, that's pretty fair. Pretty fair. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tricky to not get involved with someone. If you have to see their house first, be like, Hey, I'm not trying to sleep with you, but I need to come back to your place. Just to look at some stuff. Well, just stuff. look up. Yeah. Hey, got, Hey, can you send me uh, a few photos of your G- house? Yeah. Give me a, can you give me a house tour real quick? Yeah. We'll go on a Zoom date. And like the first requirement of the Zoom date is like, hey, 
you know, before we start talking, just give me a quick 360 of your room. Quick 360. Interesting take. Alex, can you give me a take on what's... I'm trying to figure out a concise way to say this. Um, Just like earbuds, you know? Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Just earbuds. Okay, here's the thing about earbuds. It's not... A, so, obviously, the obvious take on this is AirPods, right? I'm so sick and tired of people looking at earbuds, AirPods, whatever, as a sign of, like, being rich and wealthy. The sound quality is nothing compared to headphones. When you're in a studio, when you see artists recording, it's headphones or in-ear monitors, which are not the same thing as earphones, dude. Those things suck. They are given to you for free with your iPhone or whatever phone you have. I only know iPhone because you know better than you. Because they're cheap. Because they're easy to make and the sound quality isn't great and they probably won't last. Invest in some halfway decent headphones like the adult you are and hear music how it's intended. That's how they record it. That's how it's meant to be experienced. I wasn't paying attention at the time. You'll have to stop. And I'm going to round it out now with this is the true thoughts of me and the true thoughts of every person who knows what any music or media, sound media is. This is how it's supposed to be interpreted. So level up, you casuals, and listen to stuff how it's supposed to be listened to. That being said, I know my wife's listening to me this on earphones. Didn't mean it, honey. <laughs> um, I, if given the opportunity, yes, I would wear headphones over earbuds in most situations. However, <laughs> um, when I am at work, me having headphones on is not exactly great because that means if anybody tries to get my attention, i.e. my boss, uh, not exactly great. But if I have earbuds in, that's a lot easier. You know, the sound quality isn't as good, but that's okay because I still need people to get my attention. And like, also, if I go shopping, I'll keep my earbuds in like grocery shopping. I'll keep my earbuds in. But if I have headphones on, that's just that's no that's a bad look bad look it might be a bad look but you're also listening to music and not how it's intended that's not how music is supposed to be consumed if i was an art listen there's gonna be artists who say you know what my music is the kind of music you can listen to on the radio mine the kind of music is the kind you can just listen to as you're going for a jog mine's the kind of music you need to sit in a room turn the lights off close your eyes and consume that's the kind yeah, of music which, like, I make. Yeah, which is fair. However, um, when I am listening to All Time Lows, Dear Maria, for the 175th time this week, I'm okay with it not being, in, uh, you know, studio quality audio when I'm trying to pick up my Pop-Tarts for the week. Do you go to the store just to pick up Pop-Tarts? Not Dude, also, we're still in the improv segment and we are deep in this. No, it's, a, it's okay. The one hit is super short. The one hit is super okay, short. Okay, sounds good. Well... That's our improv segment. Some of this pod It's one of the OGs. I hope you like it because it will be coming back. Okay, moving on to the middle segment. This middle segment is called Am I the Cast Hole? Now, uh, there is a subreddit called Am I the A-Hole, but, you know, full of it. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to look at these posts which ask, hey, am I in the wrong here? And I'm going to read you the posts, and we're going to decide if they are, in fact, in the wrong there. 
Sounds good. Actually, I'm going to take this time to um, promote somebody else's podcast. I found on, um, what is it called? TikTok. It's actually called uh, Two Hot Takes. This is their entire podcast. Is looking up uh, Am I the A-Hole controversial, controversial posts on Reddit. And that's all they do is talk about Reddit posts. So definitely go check out Two Hot Takes. It's two girls over there who are pretty much killing it. I mean, blowing up on TikTok. Some Just a few of their segments. So definitely go check them out. And that is how you avoid getting freaking prosecuted by stealing somebody else's ideas. <laughs> okay. Um, this first one. Um, we're Okay. Transparency. We're recording this on May 14th. So if some of these posts seem old, it's because they are. Am I the a-hole? For telling a girl that her butthole is showing at CrossFit. Um, long story short, because of the gym setup and how CrossFit works, you're basically in a long line for some of the workouts. I was behind a girl in this particular one involved being bending over a lot of weights. Uh, because of this, at the bottom of her move, her leggings were like 95% see-through and everything was visible. Uh, I approached Pram discreetly to politely let her know. She immediately got cold and huffy as if it were my fault. Um, I didn't think anything of it until after class at which the coach asked me to talk to him. He said that another patron said that I made explicit, sexually explicit comments and that was, and that now she was uncomfortable. Uh, I was asked to go to a different class and I said, no, because I can't and don't want to. Am I the a-hole here? Oh, there's an important edit that says the exact wording of what he said um was hey just to let you know these pants are see-through during certain moves sorry if this is awkward but i thought it was just better you know than not listen dude i'm not gonna lie to you that's a pretty good way to handle it there are better ways i agree there are better ways one some things just sound bad coming from a dude yeah no matter how you say it same thing with like uh, anytime a german says the word jew regardless of whether or not what you're saying is correct it's just gonna sound bad, dude. So yeah, this guy says that he is gay and quote put on his best gay voice. So <laughs> dude tried everything in his power to make it as like yeah. I'm on I your mean, side I, here. I, I know girls possible. who have no problems getting undressed around gay guys. Listen, at the end of the day, there's two ways I would have done this to you know get out of trouble. Write it on a note and just leave it for her, and then she knows. But she doesn't know who it was. You could just put like, just trying to look out, you know, and she won't know it was you. Or I think that has a high failure rate. High failure. I, rate. I think because how are you going to get it to yeah. her discreetly without her knowing it was you? And that might make her uncomfortable and she won't know where to direct that. Or you could talk to the coach or another female in the class and have them break it to her. I think the coach would be a bad idea unless the coach was a female. Um because it'd be more of like a power thing. But I would talk to another female and be like, hey, I just want you to know, could you break this to her? I'm not trying to draw attention to it, but I think it's going to sound better coming from you. And I'm just not trying to get involved. And I think that might have been the better way to do it. Yeah, there. I think overall there were definitely better ways to do it. But if you tried everything in your power to make this like as an as non-hostile of a confrontation as possible, like – I. I yeah, I, I don't see how this person is, like, directly in the wrong. The, yeah, I'm thinking that best case scenario, not even best case scenario, what he should have expected is for it to go badly, because there's no way that's going to go fine, right? But have there be no consequences 
for him trying to make the effort, that it sucks that there were consequences. Yeah, that, that's a that's a bummer. Because now, because now the tension is there for as long as they are in the same class. Right, and that's a problem. All right, uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, am I the a hole for telling my neighbor to get effed when he told me to remove my doorbell camera? Um, this one's kind of long, so I'm going to summarize as much as I can. Um, there's been a lot of burglaries in my area. My wife and I were among those burglaries, so I got a doorbell camera. Um, my neighbor and I were discussing this with a few other neighbors. I showed him a video, uh, fast forwarded the footage and he suddenly freaked out and pointed at his wife who was at the door to visit my wife. I was confused when he asked how long I, I plan on keeping this video. And if I made copies of it, he then proceeded to tell me it did not feel right to see his wife being recorded by the doorbell cam. And that if I didn't get rid of this, um, that it would make him incredibly uncomfortable. I apologized for the misunderstanding, um, but told him that basically everyone was being recorded and it wasn't just his wife. He then said no, uh, still suggested I uninstall it or install one inside. I still said no. He got all pissed that I was acting inappropriately and mean after he came to me with concerns. Uh, I told him that his wife could stop coming over if he was so worried, but he went on and on about never telling his wife what to do or where to go he insisted i remove the cam but i told him to get effed and never bring this up again he then left and got others involved my wife thinks i was being a jerk to our neighbor and his wife and have some respect for them but i don't think i was being disrespectful at the end of the day the person who swears first loses because that just means you lost your cool and um yeah he's in the right he's in the right but he needs to be composed about it bro because at the yeah, end of the day you can say this person disagreed with me this person disagreed with me but if someone says hey get effed that's a quote that's just going to go around the neighborhood that's going to be directly shared with he told me to get effed so you messed up you were in the right but now you overreacted yeah if you're on reddit long enough and like you see enough am i the a-hole posts you understand 95 percent of them or at least the ones that make it to the front page are like you're not the a-hole, but man, oh man, could you have handled this way better? <laughs> yeah. the Dude, the idea was right, handled wrong. Yeah, and... What, what is that? Uh, great idea, horrible delivery. Great idea, horrible execution. That's what it was. That's exactly what this was. Dude, just do it better. First of all, who gets mad about cameras, bro? Like, hey, bud, everybody's being recorded 24-7. This is not news to anyone. <laughs> The thing I, I definitely agree. The guy that swears first always loses. And if but like if he's still coming at you over and over again, at some point you have to be like, bro, don't worry about like you. Why are you I so like, upset? I understand about why this? you're concerned. I I'm not going to change it. It is mine. I do ask that you probably leave my house because I don't want this to escalate. And it's it looks like it's going in that direction. Yeah, because the way this seems like they're at least friends or like their wives are friends. So they're on like they have enough rapport to be like, hey, let's talk about this. And like, hey, man, you got to yeah. understand our house was burgled not too long ago. Horrible word. Anyway, um, burgled. A, a lot of people in this thread think that um, the neighbor was the one that was doing the burgling because, uh, quote, that's a very strong reaction for someone who is 100 percent innocent. Um, I'm not going to comment <laughs> yeah, on that, but <laughs> facts. Um, all right. Final one. Am I the a-hole because my mother gave me an ultimatum last night regarding my wedding? 
my older brother is an embarrassment. He's racist, awkward, weird, a drunk. He's also 16 my senior. My partner and I got engaged on New Year's Eve. We planned to do a city hall wedding, but unfortunately we had, we had to have a small party with family and best friends. I asked my brother or asked my mom not to have my brother at the wedding. My brother and sister have done nothing to show support for me. My brother never misses an opportunity to insult my weight and never misses an opportunity to call me slurs, which is obviously disgusting. My mother initially said okay to my request and to not have my brother at my wedding. Then yesterday she gave me an ultimatum and said, if he isn't invited, then she won't come. My sister won't come. My aunt won't come. And my niece and nephew won't come. Parentheses, they're eight. Uh, and then uh, I live with my mother and brother. Those were basically the other notes. Burn them. See if I care, dude. <laughs> also, why does your mom get to decide whether or not your sister comes? I guess if they're all young, then you can, but burn them, dude. It's my wedding. I get to decide who you want to be there and who doesn't want to be there. So when you. It's the same reason why, if they were invited, they could choose whether or not they wanted to go. Yeah. You, no one has to do anything. Because here's the thing about weddings, right? You know, even if we look at like divorce statistics, it's like, oh, like you could be a curmudgeon and be like, oh, they're probably going to get divorced anyway. But whatever. No one cares. But the fact of the matter is someone's wedding, like especially this is going to sound weird how I say it, but like especially if it's someone's first wedding, like they kind of have the power. You know, it's kind of about them. And there are very few yeah. events. Every wedding is about the people getting married. Yeah. What is going on? Why would you even think that you have that kind of power? Hey, mom, you're nobody, just so you know. You only need to be here for one thing, and that's a dance. See if I care whether or not you come. I could care less, actually. You know what? Don't come. Facts are as follows. F*** your mom. brother. Okay? And f*** everybody involved. Because none of them matter. I hope you guys fall in love and are together forever. Yeah, um, I understand that, like, it might be a little weird just, like, burn noticing uh, your family. But, you know, if you're moving, like, if if the details say that, like, they're saving for a house and plan on buying this summer, like, bro, summer is so close. Like, burn them. Burn them, burn them. Dude, summer's in freaking two weeks. Yeah. White boy summer. Yeah. Um, so that is Am I the Cast Hole. Uh, next time I'll do a better job at not choosing. We're bringing that like, back, bro. I will freaking light up every long. single one of these people. All right. Um, so far, dude, 3-0, and You no one's the a-hole. Yeah. I tried looking for ones that specifically where people thought they were the a-hole, but those posts were so, like, ostentationly, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm not just the a-hole, I'm just generally a bad person, but next time I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll get some of those on too um for sure all right so now for our one hit wonder um this one is called podcon now that uh more people are getting vaccinated and uh things are starting to open back up and nature is healing uh i want to go through some of the more like memorable conventions some of the more niche conventions and i want to see what you know about them and we can talk about them a little okay um the first one we're starting off strong is uh do you know about DashCon? No. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. So DashCon was an event. Um, it was a fan event. All right. So it, like there was really no organization behind it. Like one person spearheaded a lot of this. This was back in 2014, and 
uh, it was supposed to be a Tumblr convention, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can imagine, things didn't go well. Um, nobody got like scammed or anything, so it wasn't like Fire Festival. But like people rented out a convention hall, and like maybe twenty percent worth of it of a convention hall showed up. They had like no events, no guests, no real panels, but. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen the image, you've probably seen the image before without realizing what it was. They the main attraction was <laughs> there was a ball pit and not like not like a rec center ball pit, but like an inflatable ball pit that's like eight feet by six feet. Um Oh, dude, I just looked it up. Yeah. Freaking it's pretty yikes, sad. Because the image, the famous image is just a single ball pit in the center of a convention floor with nobody around it. Like clearly people are supposed to be here. It's like an abandoned ghost town. Um, it is iconic. And uh, there's, uh, it, it also got memed on cause pe- people are pretty sure that somebody pissed in the ball pit. Oh my gosh. Dude. Uh, that was dash con. Next one is saw con. Are you familiar with that? Nope. Oh, well that's good. Cause you can suck on these nuts, bro. Mm. That was it. That was the whole setup. The whole setup was for a sock on these nuts. Oh, so I was supposed to say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. But there was a there was a way I should have responded to that. Yeah, there that, was. That, that. But uh, I decided to jump on it anyway. Um, that was it. That was okay. the whole bit. The whole bit was for me to do a sock on these nuts joke. I don't care if you don't find it funny. I found it funny. And I'm proud of myself. Well, dude, I mean, it's a one it's a one hit for a reason. Thank you for listening to the Permanent Good Podcast. Next week, we are watching The Skulls with Paul Walker. Had to think of his name for a second. You can follow the show at Permanent Good, G-O-O-D-E. You can follow me at Permanent Handle. And you can follow me at Alex the Goods um, on all social medias. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Um, summer of podcasting, baby. We haven't said it, but it's going to be here. And we're going to be championing the charge, I should say. Um, do we want to tell them why we're watching the skulls? Yeah, let's talk about that. So we're watching the skulls specifically because it was Paul Walker's movie that he was in uh, last before the Fast and Furious franchise. And the reason we're watching that specifically is because after that, the rest of June is going to be a Fast and Furious marathon. So we're going to be watching three fast and furious movies every episode for three weeks and then we're gonna be watching the new fast and furious fast nine and that will have its own independent episode so yeah man if you don't like cars (laughs) yikes dude yikes we already recorded the first episode of the fast and furious episode and let me tell you (laughs) it it goes off the rails pretty fast it freaking slaps uh, this is going to be a sweet month. I've seen all of them, some of them, many, many times. I'm very excited. Yeah, June is going to be a lit month. I'm super excited for it. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much for listening. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.